0: All right, I'm going to jump into the message today, book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 18, going back to Genesis, going back to the beginning. I'm going to read the scripture, and then we'll unpack a little bit, then we'll pray, and then we're going to unload a lot today, okay? Genesis chapter 2, don't you just love the atmosphere in this place today? Man, it's, it's good good worship today it says now the lord god said it's not good that word means beneficial it's not good it's not beneficial for the man to be alone and i will make him a helper come on any guys in here need some help come on you can admit it i didn't ask the ladies to volunteer told them that but i will make him a helper Watch this. And I'm reading this out the amplified version because it breaks it down a little bit. Because sometimes we take words out of the Bible and make them mean what we want them to mean. You know what I'm saying? We spin it. No spin. It says, I will make him a helper. One who balances him and a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. So the Lord God formed out of the ground every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper that was suitable, a companion for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And that was the beginning of the first spiritual gift of man, the ability to fall into a deep sleep. Can I hear an amen from a man up in this place? This ain't no men's conference, but it's starting to feel like one. Come on, how many dudes, you know what I'm talking about, that deep sleep? How many of you, you ever did it while you were awake, went into a deep sleep? So the Lord caused a deep sleep. So when, you, when your wife says, what happened, just say the Lord caused it. All right. but, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from the man he made, fashioned, formed. By the way, this is where the fashion for the ladies comes from. If we got the sleep, they got the fashion, okay? He made or fashioned or formed into a woman And he brought her and presented her to the man. That's awesome. God made the woman from the man, but then he presented her to the man. Then Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Come on. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Say one. One. They shall become. That was your cue. They shall become. One. They shall become. One. One. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed or embarrassed. We're going to leave that verse alone today. (laughs) Just leave it alone. So we've been in this series called We Are Family, and um, I'm really, the goal of this series has really been more about the heart and trying to help all of us with what's going on in our heart as it relates to family. And uh, week one, we talked about broken pieces. There's no such thing as a perfect family, but there's no such thing as an unfixable family. Amen. And in all of our family, there are some broken pieces. Amen and 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 we have to be smart enough to know some of us may be the broken piece. All right? That's okay? Cuz we got a good God, amen. All right. And then last week I brought Cynthia up here for Mother's Day and we talked about missing pieces. Didn't she do an incredible job? Just her story. Man, I'm still trying to get caught up from that one word where she talked about the fair being all about funnel cake and all that stuff and If you want life to be fair, you know, get you some funnel cake. I was like, whoa, I don't even preach that hard. You know what I'm saying? Like that was, I just stepped back. But we talked about that there are missing pieces in our families. But we also talked that God sees and God can provide for those missing pieces. Amen. So we talked about broken pieces that, that we need to be healed. We talked about missing pieces that need to be provided. And really, we're we're, we're trying to present this like family as a puzzle. And uh, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? But this feels like a million-piece jigsaw puzzle. You know what I'm talking about? And you don't have good lighting. And your eyes are going bad sometimes. And so when you are putting together a puzzle, you're trying to find all the right pieces. But you also have some broken pieces that don't just fit just right like they used to. You know what I'm saying? Like if you spill something on the puzzle, it doesn't fit like it used to you got to work it in there. Anybody ever had to work it in there in their family? You know what I'm saying? Just had to, It took some work. And then there's the missing pieces, and you got to figure that out. And uh, what I've learned, though, is if we let God put together this family, this puzzle called family, uh, it's the most incredible thing. Amen? Family is awesome. I don't mess with you, but it is awesome. So today, and I had people all week trying to guess what the title was going to be today. Some people suggest that we call it Reese's Pieces, but I don't like peanut butter, so we're not going with that. Um, one of the suggestions was centerpiece, which that's pretty good, but ain't anyway, what it is. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what one guy said, because he knew we were talking about marriage. I was like, that is inappropriate. We're not doing that. Um, today, and this ain't as fancy as y'all were hoping, we were talking about it with the worship team the other night, but this is what it is. Today, I want to talk about putting together the pieces, putting together um, the pieces and I'm going to go ahead and let you know I probably won't finish this today yeah. try my best to condense it but uh, this is a big topic and so we may have to go into this next week so let's pray and then we'll jump in Jesus you're so good to us you're so good that you give us your presence and in this place today God we're saying that we need you because we want to have incredible families but even more than that We want to be the people that you want us to be. And you've already gone to great lengths to prove that you love us by going to the cross to save us from our sins. But in the cross and on the cross, you took on the brokenness so that we could be healed. And you and who you are, you're the one that fills the missing pieces that's in our lives and in our hearts. So today, God, we need more than a sermon. We need you. And my prayer is that as we share this message today, God, that they won't get me, they will get you and what you want to do. God, I'm asking you to come today and bring healing, to bring health, to bring strength to families and to marriages in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, Let me say this before we get too far into this. If you're like not married, you're probably like, oh, well, what am I here for? Like this is for all the married people. Um, There is more to do with family when it comes to marriage than what you may be realizing. And so what I'm going to share today is actually going to relate to every one of us because the one thing we all have in common with family is we've experienced marriage in one way or another. Am I right? We have. All of us have experienced marriage. And believe it or not, whatever marriage you have been around that has influenced you the most that you grew up in that house or you were with those people, it has an impact on your life, and I believe that this is going to be very helpful for everyone in this place, and maybe you're a young person, and you're like, I'm so far from being married, I didn't even think about it, get this now, amen, Amen? get this now, all right, because you're going to need it, so as we're jumping into this, I'm going to honor Cynthia, my wife, Uh, I don't know if y'all know this, but we have been married for 26 years, y'all. 26 years, man, it has been awesome. I know we only look like we're like 22 years old, but goodness. Um, but I, w- I want to honor her um, publicly because this is an amazing woman, y'all. y'all. You get to hear her stories and all that stuff, but I get to live with her. You know what I'm saying? And this, this woman is incredible, all that she is able to do in every single role in her life. Every single one of them, she is just like knocking it out of the park. And you heard her story last week, and, and, and I'm sharing this with you today to see what God can do in people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? I, and, and so I honor you today because you're an awesome Amen. wife. Yeah. Awesome wife. All the time, man. All the time. And uh, we've been married 26 years. Listen to this. I was 19 years old when I married her. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was a mature 19-year-old. How do you like that? Cynthia was 23, and, and my dad was talking to me about it yesterday, and we were cracking up. He's like, you didn't know what you were doing. I was like, yeah, I did. I was like, no, you didn't. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, man. We had no clue, but, man, we were in love, and we were going for it. Uh, we, we both had student loans. Come on, how many of y'all got some of those things, man? Yeah. Cynthia had some credit card debt. I had brand-new truck debt. See, I'm bringing a balance to it. I could just get up here and tell you her stuff. I'm going to tell you mine, too. I had to have that truck, man. Had to have it. And so she had the the credit card debt. I had the brand-new truck debt. And we were broke like a joke. Like it was no joke. In fact, eating out for us, the fancy night to eat out was Thursday night, and we were going to Sonic. I love some Sonic, y'all. I'm going to tell you, they need to step up the Sonic game around here. Man, come on, man. We were hitting Sonic on Thursday nights. We lived in a mobile home. Yeah. Come, on, come on, anybody ever lived in a mobile home in here? Yeah. Come on, the tin can on wheels. Let's go. There ain't no insulation in there. That light bill is more than what you'll ever pay for anything. Air condition is terrible. Look, we put window units in there, and you ain't never slept till you put a window unit in your room. Sorry, Chris. No shame in your game, but a window unit will put you to sleep, son. You never slept that good. It doesn't have a thermostat. The ones we had. you just turned it on, and it was 58 degrees. Come on, I'm talking about warping the walls in that mobile home. It was so cold up in there. And we slept hard, man. I'm telling you that thing was awesome. Come on, my air and my house don't even work this good. We lived in a mobile home on my grandparents' property. Come on, that was our humble beginnings, that's where we started, and we had some incredible days together, we've had some tough days together, anybody ever had some of those before? We laughed so hard at so many things, and we cried so hard with so many things, and we're still going, still going, Um, my parents are here today. And uh, in January, they will have been married 50 years. 50! 50 years! And they endured the good, the bad, and the broken. They endured it all. In fact, I'm going to tell my dad, my dad got in a high-speed chase the night before his wedding. That's where your pastor came from. And you all knew there was something about that guy, am I right? Ask him after church. Say, tell me that story. It is, it is amazing. I'm telling you. hit in a cow pasture, turned the lights off, and the cop went running by. That's my dad. That is my dad. That is my dad. Some of you would have pulled over and paid the ticket. Not my dad. I told you all about Mama last week with the fly swatter. And so I had to balance it out and tell you what dad did. Um, So I'm not an expert at all in all this, but I got a little bit of experience under my belt. And uh, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I'm just a person and a pastor. That's all I got. And we've been married for a while. Um, Now, when it comes to marriage sermons, let me throw this out front. When it comes to marriage sermons, this is what I've noticed. The wives, they got the notebooks out, and they're ready to take notes. That's what they want to do. They want to take notes. The guys, when it comes to marriage sermons, they want to go take out the boat. Yeah. And right there, that's where the wives are like, that's what's wrong. That's what's wrong with our marriages today. The, the, the wife is interested in taking care of all the business while the husband wants to go and do all his thing. So... The wife will say, that's what's wrong. He just doesn't want to work on the marriage. And the husband says, that's what's wrong. She's just going to use those notes as ammunition against me. You see? That's where we're at when we talk about marriage. Because you came in here today, chances are, knowing we were going to talk about marriage. And you thought, he needs to hear this. And she needs to hear this. Because if they hear this, that's going to fix it all. It ain't for him. And it ain't for her. It's for you. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him this was for you. <laughs> Little dude on the second row, twelve years old, and he's like, this "Is it for me?" <laughs> it's for you, bro. It's for you. So today, my heart is—my um, heart is to help you, and I'm praying that God's going to work in our families and work in our marriages. And early, early this morning, I just felt like the Lord just told me to tell you, to tell everyone in here that you can have an incredible marriage. Amen. Like there's a lot that I'm about to tell you, but I need you to hear that. And you say, if you knew the state that I was, our marriage was in, you wouldn't say that. I'm not listening to what you say. I'm listening oh, to what the Lord told me to say. Amen. And I am telling you that the Lord said that you can have an incredible, loving marriage. Now, I know that every person in here has been affected by a marriage in one way or another, either good or bad. Every one of us. Listen, my parents been married 50 years and there are some good examples in there, but there are some not so good ones in there too. And I ain't throwing them under the bus. They, he'll tell you. They will let you know. And unfortunately, what has happened is that marriage has taken on this perception that it is brutal. Because, what, because of what has happened in many marriages. It has the perception that it is brut- brutal. But I'm here today to tell you that marriage is beautiful. Amen. Amen? And it can be one of the best things that has ever happened to you. It can be. And this is what I have learned. Marriage isn't broken. People are. And why are we blaming what God created, which was good, because of what we messed up? Amen? Amen. Amen. Marriage is good. Say it's good. 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 People are messed up, man. Because we got broken pieces. And we got missing pieces. And when we're trying to fix all of that and replace all of that, notice what word I use right there, replace all of that, we wind up in some serious mess. I've seen marriages make it through the worst of things, but I've seen marriages end over the smallest things. I'm serious. I mean, I have seen, oh man, I have seen marriages survive infidelity and end over insecurity. I have seen it, man. Like, like, you know, because you've seen it too. You have friends. You may have walked through it personally. I've seen what people, even with broken pasts, experience an incredible marriage. Yeah. And I've seen people with a good past break down in marriage. Yeah. So this isn't a one-size-fits-all, and there's a perfect formula that makes this all work, and if I do all this and do all that, it's all going to work out. You still got to do life with somebody. And doing life with more than one person is a challenge. It don't matter if it's your wife or if it was your roommate in college. Can I get an amen? Because you went through a few of those. Because some of them were just weird. Am I right? Like, what is that? God bless them. We still pray for them. I ain't going to live with them, though. Not no more. I've also seen miracles in marriages, too, where it didn't look like it was going to work. But yet both the husband and the wife put in the effort and overcame the obstacles. I know this one family, they were in the elevator of the courthouse. About to finalize it. And the Lord showed up in the elevator before they got off. And they both agreed, let's not do this. Let's work on it and make it happen. And God turned it around. That stuff happened. I believe that your marriage can be absolutely incredible. Do you believe that? Come on, you're 12 in here, and I believe one day your marriage could be incredible. You're 61, and I believe your marriage could be incredible. You're 41, and I believe it. Amen? Amen? Amen. Some quotes about marriage that bother me. I figured I'd vent up front, try to get it out. (laughs) Uh, Happy wife, happy life. Shut it down. Shut it down. Come on. Maybe happy spouse, happy house would work better. Amen? Because if only one person's happy in there, sooner or later the person who ain't happy is going to have something to say. And it's going to implode, I'm telling you. And if you roll in with that, happy wife, happy life, you need to quit rolling with it and get it on a different path. Amen? And I know all the wives are like, come on, don't don't steal our thunder. I'm not stealing your thunder. I'm trying to help you with your future. You know what I'm saying? Like... I told you I had to vent. Uh, here, here's, here's another one. If at first you don't succeed, try doing it the way your wife told you. Wow. <laughs> Wait, this one. I heard this one a long time ago. It's amazing, like, before a young gets, young man gets married, all the, the, the stuff that, like, your uncles. Everybody's got an uncle that does yeah. this to you, too. Yeah. You do. I, I don't know if it's just uncle material, yeah. but uh, they say things like this. Marriage is a three-ring circus. Engagement ring, wedding ring, and suffering. How many of y'all got an uncle like that? How many of y'all got an uncle like that? See, we got to pray for that dude. Gosh, what is that? Some of y'all laughing, you're like, I'm going to use that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Here's one, it's true, but I don't like it. I'm going to be honest. Marriage doesn't make you happy. It makes you holy. Y'all heard that one before? That's a little preacher talk. Marriage isn't supposed to make you happy. It's supposed to make you holy. So what in the world did we do before we got married with holiness? Am I right? And I get it. It does. I know. I know. I'm I'm just telling you. I'm, I'm venting. I'm getting it off of my chest before we get to the good stuff so that I have a right spirit. You know what I'm saying? But there's so many of those things that just bother me. And it bothers you too, am I right? It does. But yet we just roll with it, man. We just go with it and whenever it's just not looking good, well, you know what they say. And then we start throwing out these one line little quotes and they are not even that good. They're not even that life giving, but it's become the rhetoric around marriage. Like we don't even talk like the ball and chain thing. Am I right? Like, where, what in the world are we doing? God created marriage, and it is good, and it is a blessing. A man who finds a wife finds a good thing. Yes, sir. Amen? Amen? So let's get to the message so we can really do what we came here to do. I'm eating up a lot of time. All right. So putting together the pieces. The two shall become one. The two shall become one. It's the most amazing, brilliant mystery ever. That God has created when he created marriage, that he could take two people who are different and bring them together and make them one. Now, this is what you need to see. God created marriage because he wanted to create family. I thought y'all were going to get it, but it looks like I didn't say it well enough. God created marriage because he wanted to create family. It starts with marriage. It really does. It starts with marriage, and out of that, God creates family. You and I were created for family. We were. We were created for family. Everyone wants family except people who have been hurt by them. And yet they still want family. They do. Everyone wants to have a family. But in order for there to be families, there has to be marriages. And that means marriage is a big deal. And it was actually modeled after Christ's relationship with the church. That's what it was supposed to be all about. Jesus has this intimate relationship with the church. There is a closeness. There is this working together. We're co-laborers with Christ. It's this coming together. It's this trust. It is this faith. It is this love. It's all these things. And God created marriage, and he made it a big deal. And I'll say it like this. Marriage was God's idea and was meant to help us, not hurt us. Amen? Amen. Amen. It was meant to help us and not hurt us. Okay. And God created marriage to be holy because he knows if it's holy, that's going to be the best thing for you. In fact, the best way to live is to live holy. And I'm not talking about religious, y'all. Because too many people put on a costume of religion and call it holy when God meant for it to be our heart. Listen, you can't dress up ugly. You're still ugly. But if you change, you could be pretty. Amen? Amen? And this is what it's going to take for us to have the type of family, the kind of marriage that we need. We need God to come and take the ugliness that is in our lives that is caused by sin and bring forgiveness and bring healing so that there once again could be some holiness. Amen. Because if there's holiness, there will be health. Amen. Amen. There will be. And whenever you try to approach marriage outside of holiness, it is going to be hurtful. It is going to be sin causes the brokenness in marriage. Sin causes the brokenness in families. And one of the things that we can, we can see so obvious in our culture today, we're having a hard time saying what is sin and what is not sin. We're having a hard time saying that is sin because we're trying to cover it by calling it preference. Amen? Amen. But I need you to know that God set a standard for us. And there is a standard. And when we fall short of the standard, that is called sin. That's not I'm not good enough. Okay? Let's remove victimhood from this. Amen? That's called I made a choice that wasn't the right one. And as a result, there are consequences for it. Y'all remember when we used to have consequences for the wrongs that we did? You know what I'm saying? And there are consequences of sin in family, and the consequence of it is brokenness. And it's a lot of broken hearts, a lot of broken promises. That's why we wind up with a lot of broken people. We've got to come back to the place of remembering and understanding that marriage is a covenant. This is more than a commitment it's more than a visit to the justice of the peace come on it's more than the beach with the chairs and the linen suit for the guys or the khakis with a white shirt it's more it's more than that white gown that you've been wearing all your life it's so much more than that it is a covenant and it's not just you and him or you and her it's you and him and the person that you're marrying it's a covenant that means God is involved in it, so it's not just with two people, but it's two people man and woman together with God. Amen. I mean, God's got to have a place in your marriage, and if He doesn't have a place in your marriage, you're trying to figure out how it's going to be blessed on your own. I know. And so many people are trying to do it until they get in trouble. And when they get in trouble, now they want God to come and bless it and God to come and fix it. And can I tell you, we're better. We would do better if we worked on prevention. I'm serious. We would do so much better. But because we like to do things our way, we fall into these traps and wind up the wrong way. And we've seen it so many times, maybe in our own lives, Or maybe in the lives of people in our family or even our friends that we know. I'll say it like this. Marriage or even family without God is risky. It is very risky because this is what I've learned about marriage and family. Oh, it will bring out the best in you. But it will also show the worst in you. Because you know, you said stuff to people in your family. You ain't never said to nobody at work. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? I don't know if it's because they got too many HR policies at the office and and at home. They don't have all those and you can get away with it. But man, you might want to put some HR policies at the house. You know what I'm saying? Watch this. Without God, there's no grace. Without God, there's no mercy. And really, the version of love that we're coming up with without God isn't really love. It's not authentic. It's copycat. Sometimes even counterfeit. And what's bad is we think we're deceiving everybody else, but the person that is really deceived is ourselves. Come on now. So we know marriage is about loving and choosing someone for the rest of our lives. Y'all know that, right? That's what it's about, loving and choosing someone that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. But marriage is also about doing life together day to day. And that, my friends, is the struggle. That's where the struggle is. It's the day-to-day operations of doing life together. Because it's amazing that before you did life together and you were dating, it was awesome. And so a lot of times, whenever you sit down with couples, this is what they say. We used to. We used to. He used to. She used to, we used to, and every time, well, why did you quit? Well, we got a lot going on, or, or, or the all-time greatest reason, parentheses, excuse, well, it's the kids, and I'm sorry that I've got to go there, but we've got to clean this up, y'all, because too many people are falling, and listen, the last two years, wow, wow, because people had to stay home together. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we don't work well like that. I need you to go to work so we can be happy. <laughs> All right, let's bring it in. All right. You can overcome the challenges if you both want to. Yes. Amen. Okay? If you both want to. And um, most people think that it's the big things that ruin marriages. They think like unfaithfulness, like affairs. And abuse are the things that end most marriages. Actually, it's little things. That, that, it's the little thing. It's the little thing that just keeps agitating you over and over. That because that little thing agitates you so much, you turn it into everything. And it's so easy to do. Am I right? It is so easy, man. Because it's like that one little thing that gets on your nerves and they're not even aware of it yet. And you're trying to be polite and kind and not call them out because you don't want to do that. But then it just reaches the point where there was like no intermediate conversation or communication about it. It just goes to life threatening. You know what I'm talking about? Like, if you do that one more time, I will kill you. Like, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? And I know y'all like, why are you being so aggressive with the language? What you talking about? You already admitted that y'all were talking in ways at home that you don't even talk at the office. Isn't it something how we go from, like, zero to 90 in no time? Like, what in the world? How did we go that far? It's the little things, and we're having a hard time with the little things. And I pray that as we hear this message today, that you're not just sitting there thinking of the other person, but you're evaluating you. Because if your whole hopes of working on your marriage or your family is all about getting other people to change, it's not going to change. That would be like asking God to change the way salvation works to fit your lifestyle. And he ain't going to change. So quit praying that way. But we're doing this in the context of our families. We're doing this in the context of our marriage. And we wonder why the perspective of marriage has become what it's become. And it's frustrating because I think marriage is supposed to be the happiest thing ever. Am I right? Am I right? (laughs) Supposed to be. But why is there a dark cloud over it? Oh, I know there's 50% of all marriages that end in divorce. I know all of the stats and all of the stuff. And we could try to psychoanalyze all of it. But at the end of the day, stuff in our hearts, man. Stuff in our hearts. Things like selfishness. I know you don't have that problem, but goodness, everybody else does. (laughs) Am I right? Like, come on. I ain't got no selfishness problem, but they do. Uh, Many times our view of marriage was formed by our parents. What happened in our house that we grew up in. And um, we allow those things to shape our outlook. We put in our defense mechanisms early. You know what I'm saying? I saw my mama go through that and it ain't going to happen to me. I watched my dad put up with that and I ain't going to put up with it. Like those, and I, and I'm joking about it, but I'm serious. Those are things that are all up in there. And then we've made it easier just to put an end to marriages. Y'all remember when it used to cost a whole lot, and you had to do all kinds of things to undo a marriage? Now it ain't it ain't hard at all. And it's crazy that we've given ourselves these kinds of options. I'm telling you, I know people that walked through some hell in their marriage, and they just decided we ain't quitting. And they kept going, and they made it. And it still ain't perfect, but let me tell you this. It may not be perfect, but it's getting stronger. Amen? It's getting stronger. So we need some healing in marriages. And uh, my prayer is that God's going to heal. And thank God he's a healer. Amen. I'm going to read a verse to you, Song of Solomon chapter two, verse fifteen. Come on, you know we're going there when we go to the Song of Solomons. I feel like I need that. No mind, let's not. Uh, <laughs> another version calls it the Song of Songs, most graphic book of the Bible, by the way. Um, Song of Solomon two, verse fifteen, it says, "Catch all the foxes." Now that's not talking about women. <laughs> I know how some of y'all are thinking. But it says, catch all the foxes, those... Stop laughing so I can read the verse. (laughs) Just trying to be life-giving today, and y'all are taking this down roads. It doesn't need to go down. Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. In other words, he's saying there's little things. Those little foxes, those are the little things And you got to take care of them before they ruin the vineyard of love, before they start changing your view of love and what love is all about, what it's supposed to be about you got to take care of the little things. Watch this. For the grapevines are blossoming. And this verse just reminds me of that verse in Ephesians where it says, Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And that verse is just highlighting, yes, there is evil in the world. But there are also some incredible God opportunities that are out there. And you've got to make the most of it. But what we're doing in marriages today is we're trying to micromanage the little things. Trying to fix people, trying to get other people to fix us, trying to get people to do what only God can do for us. Come on. We're trying to do all of those things and we're overlooking the possibilities of what God can do and what God has lined up and what God has in store for us. And so we're staying in a state of fighting and tension and stress and anxiety and we don't even know how to do date night without talking about kids come on like we don't, we don't know how to do it we don't know how to love each other anymore because you done got on my nerves am I right and it was my last one in fact I had two or three before this and now they're all gone so we know the main ingredients of marriage right Oh, there's got to be love. We know that. There's got to be trust. We know that. There's got to be commitment. There's got to be communication. It's all the things that we know. And we know so much. How in the world can we know so much about something and then take the test and fail it? How does that happen? Because we're focusing on the wrong thing. We know in marriage you're not supposed to be selfish. Selfish. We know that, but yet, there we go. We know that we're supposed to serve one another, but why do we say, I've done enough? I'm not doing anymore. We know these are the things that make a marriage grow, but what are some of the little foxes, the little, little things, the little foxes that are hurting our marriages, and better yet, they're hurting our families too. They're hurting our families. And so this list that I'm about to unveil to you is not just for the parents, the husbands and the wives, but it's for the kids, it's for the cousins, it's for grandma, grandpa, uncle, aunt, everybody in the family. This is us right here. Little things that hurt. Number one, comparison. Comparison. Where we just compare everything. And better yet, when we compare what we've got to what somebody else has and then try to accomplish what they've got. I want what they have. Well, here's the problem. You ain't got those people. You know what I'm saying? And so when you go into comparison, this is what you're communicating. You're not good enough. That's what begins. To, and like I said, this goes, like, this goes all around the family because that parent that, that hears that kid that says, I wish you were like these parents, it hurts. It hurts. Am I right? And no different when the husband hears the wife say, I wish you were like him, because he really loves his wife. It's just daggers to the heart. Comparison. Here's the next one, competition. Competition. I know, we got a competitive family. I will tell you that right now. Our family is so competitive. We were playing cornhole on Mother's Day, and it was starting to get out of hand. 10 PM in the backyard, my neighbors were probably thinking, and they're the pastors. <laughs> no, what I'm talking about with competition is where we're keeping track, we're keeping score of every single wrong that is taking place. I'm keeping a track of it. Because we know the score. know what I'm saying? And when we have that conversation, I'm going to let you know what the score is. Y'all ever did that before? Well, what about that time you did this and you said that? I can't believe you've done that. And I'm just thinking, how long you been holding on to that? Competition. What about complaining? You See, I done got quiet now. We ain't laughing no more because it's like, oh, oh, I know people, but I've been there too. Complaining. This is what it means. Something is always wrong. Always. Can I just say, if that if you live twenty four seven in problem solving mode with your family, you are not going to be fun to be around. That ain't rude. That's just like, dude, take a break. Can't we just eat some meat and just be happy? Amen. Right. But no, man, we got to figure this out now. We got like 35 years of problems that we're trying to figure out in 35 minutes, and it ain't going to happen. It's not, but we're trying because it's so urgent. And we just let complaining come across as I'm just trying to communicate. Listen, that's not communication. Just whining, man. Amen? Amen? Woo. Here's the next one. Complacency. I'm not feeling it just not feeling it. I don't feel like it. Let me tell you what that also says. I've already tried. These are the little things and y'all, y'all are hearing it and you're like, yeah. Those are the little things. You've been listening to us. No, I haven't. <laughs> I promise you, I got enough to work on at my house with me. Don't say amen. God. Controlling. Control. And really, what control says is my way or the highway. That's what it says my way or the highway. Start giving ultimatums or throwing fits. And it's something when a kid throws a fit, we're like, oh no, we're having a meltdown in Target. (laughs) Ever been there before? You're negotiating like you ain't never negotiated before. Am I right? Well, I'm going to tell you two people who did not negotiate that are sitting in the back of that room right there. We went to a fitting room and got adjusted. Y'all know what I'm saying? And listen, let me say this. I believe in marriage counseling and a lot of y'all need to go. I'm serious. But I also think we need some marriage correction. I'm serious. We need some correction. And you need somebody in your life that can tell you you're wrong. And it doesn't need to be your spouse. Can I hear an amen? Come on, clap your hands right there and make a preacher feel better about some tough stuff. You know what I'm saying? Number six is conceited. Conceited. And that's where it's all about me. And I will say this, selfishness will always break a family. And selfishness will always break a marriage. Always. And it's these little things. I know you want me to talk about all the other stuff and setting boundaries, and we're going to get into some things next week, because what I want to talk about is some vision. Because people are perishing because they lack vision. Marriages and families are breaking down because they lack vision. They're running around doing activities, but they have no vision. And it's breaking down the family. And it's so hard to have that conversation because you always do what you want. Well, you always do what you want. No, we don't. We always do what the kids want. You ever been in that conversation for like an hour? Like an oscillating fan that keeps going and going and going? We need vision. And next week, I want to get into that. But I'm going to finish with this. And Kev's going to begin to play in the background, but I'm going to do some ministry today. I want to share some current trends in families and marriages that I've noticed, and then we're going to wrap up. These are literally things that I have heard, have seen, have witnessed firsthand. We love each other, but we don't like each other. It's all about the kids. Got to put the kids first. Can I say this? If you're a kid and your parents are putting you first, tell them to stop. Amen? Amen? And tell them, y'all need to go on a date. And y'all need to go on a vacation without us. I'm serious. (laughs) Current trends in family, even marriage, we're either saying too much or we're not saying enough. We're living in the same house, but we're having separate finances, separate schedules and separate lives. And we're trying to do life together. It's not going to work. And I'm not being a negative guy. I'm just telling you, somebody going this way and somebody going this way are not going to meet. Just not. Families are less involved in church and more involved in travel and activities. That's happening in our world. Church should be a priority. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor. I'm saying that because I have a family. Church should be a priority, not an option. And the whole online option, if that's the role that you're going to go with, I will tell you, we got to do better than that, man. You know what I'm saying? We putting a lot of effort into making it look good, a lot of effort into making it look good, but not a lot of effort into making it better, y'all. We're letting social media tell a story that isn't true. People are hurting, longing for what they one day hoped for. And I believe God is saying, hey, I'm ready to help you make it right do i believe god is saying let's make it right let's get to work and i know i know i know everyone who's married in here is saying yeah but they need to want to as well i know they do but if it starts with you let's go because i know a woman that it started with that's sitting in this room and that was my mama and she gave her life to jesus and she started dragging us to church. It was not an option. It was not. We were going. And I know the whole culture is like, well, I don't want my kids to hate church. Oh, no. I know. I know all those things. We're trying to protect everybody from everything. But at some point, we got to direct them towards something. Amen. we got to direct them towards something. And, and, and I, if one person could stand in the gap... And maybe you're the only person that's willing to stand in the gap right now. Stand in the gap. Amen? I need you to stand to your feet right now. Come on. Because you can have an incredible marriage. And it might be hard, but I promise you it will be worth it. It will be worth it. And listen, I'm not trying to categorize everything together because I know a lot of stories of people that have walked through some things and it didn't work out. I'm aware of that. But I do want you to know, that just because some of it didn't work out doesn't mean that it doesn't work. Right. Amen? Right. Marriage is good. Family is good. And it can be so challenging because God blesses us with people that bring out the fruit of the spirit in our lives. And I'm just being really kind by saying it that way. But I know this. Some of you, you didn't know what kind of wife you could be too. y'all went through that. And some of you didn't know what kind of husband you could be to. Y'all made it through that. And some of come on, some of you didn't know you can mama like that too. you went through that. And some of you didn't know that as a father you had that kind of wisdom to. You had to walk your kids through something they were going. You didn't know what you were made of. This is what I know. This is what I've watched those two, my parents. and I'm, I'm proud of them, man. This is what i watched. They just kept going. Were there moments where it was bad? Heck yeah, man. I remember mama checked us out of school and we were leaving. I'm serious. Checked us out. Where are we going? Your grandma's and Lutcher. Why? Because. Didn't tell us. It worked it out. There was a lot of brokenness there. It worked it out. So maybe it is a marriage for you that you got to work on. Or maybe it's family. Maybe it's a relationship with you and a child. Maybe it's between you and your parent. Come on. I'm not just trying to pick on people who are married today. I'm trying to help us all to see that these little things that we talked about, this is what's happening in our houses. This is what's happening in our families. And these little things are breaking this thing down. And even as I was saying it, some of you were like, amen, he needed to hear that. She needed to hear that. Others of you, the Holy Spirit was like gut punching you. And you're like, oh, that is me. That is me. And this is what I felt like the Lord said to do today. And I know it's time to go. But I feel like today, if we're going to work this stuff out with whoever it is, it starts with us getting our heart right with God. That's where it starts. And if you're here today and you know, if, I, if we're going to work on this family thing, I need God to work on my heart. I just want you to take a knee right at your seat. And we're going to do what they call repent. And maybe that's aggressive church language for you. But that's not aggressive, man. That's the beginning of change. Because it's realizing, listen, it's realizing this direction ain't working. I'm going to go God's direction with this thing. That's what repentance is. It's changing direction from my way to his way. And it starts with a surrendered heart. And if that's you today, I just want you to take a knee, grab a knee right at your seat and say, I got to change some things in me. I know we need to change some things in them and in him and in her, but the change begins in you. Father, my prayer today is that every person in here will allow you to come and touch their heart, to come and heal their heart. Every person who is kneeling, who's taking that knee today, God, Lord, we repent for doing it our way, for trying to make it fit how we like it, how we want it. God, we ask for forgiveness. But God, we know we need change. Yeah, there might need change in them, but God, we know we need change in us. Our hearts are hurt and we need change. We need them healed. Our minds are fed up. (laughs) God, we need grace. We need change and only you can do that. And God, my prayer today is that you begin to change hearts. You begin to change minds so that we can change directions and quit going down the old path. That's causing destruction and go on the path that leads to life. And so, Lord, today we choose you. We choose your way. We choose your leadership. We acknowledge that you are Lord. And so, Father, my prayer today is that you will come and touch every heart that is in this place today and help us to change. Help us to know the steps that we need to take. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Next week, I'm going to continue with this. Was this okay today? A little strong? A little strong? I'm not trying to be strong. I'm just trying to bring it real. Bring it real, real, man. Come on. We're going to have awesome marriages. How many of y'all believe it? Come on, somebody going through something, believes it. We have awesome families. You believe it? How many of y'all know we got some work to do? Wave at me if you know we got some work to do. Come on, we got some work. me like, I ain't kneeling, I ain't waving at you, because this is going to get me in a conversation. I ain't ready to be in, Pastor. Just leave me alone. I know, it's time to go. Let's pray. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, we love you and thank you that you started something in here today. Come on, lift your hands all across this room. Come on, I'm going to get you with a hand up before we go. Jesus, you started something in here. And we know your word says that what you begin, you're faithful to finish. And God, I pray that what's started in us is something that's starting in our heart. I pray you awaken some hope today. Some possibilities that we can see of what you could do if we allow you to intervene. Also know, Lord, that there's conviction that's working in this room, too. The Conviction of the Holy Spirit that's trying to lead us, trying to guide us to who you want us to be. And so, Lord, with our hands raised, we're worshiping you. But with our hands raised, we're surrendered. And God, I ask you to help us as we walk out those doors today. I pray, God, we go with a new spirit, a new mind, a new outlook and a new perspective that we would look at the possibilities of what you can do instead of overanalyzing every little problem. God, let your grace, your favor, and your blessings be on every person and every family, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen.